Hosea chapter 1, read one verse there, Hosea chapter 1, verse 3. Uh, you can follow along the screens or on the YouVersion Bible app if that's your deal. And then we're going to skip over to Hosea chapter 3 and read a couple verses from there. And then we're going to dig in here. Hosea chapter 1 says, um, So Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of Dibliam, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. Okay, So Gomer is the prostitute uh, that the Lord commanded in verse 2, which we saw last week, he said, go, and he said, Hosea, go and marry a prostitute. He finds Gomer. So he did that. Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of Dibliam, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. And then uh, if you skip over to chapter 3, we're going to read verses 1 through 3. It says, then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and to, and to, worship, and to love and to worship them. So I bought her back. For 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. And then I said to her, you must live in my house for many days and stop your prostitution. During this time, you will not have sexual relations with anyone, not even with me. Verse 3, okay? So that's, that's the story. Now, we, we have to fill in a lot of gaps here, but that's the story. We looked at this last week. We talked about Hosea. And, and it's, again, when we're reading Scripture... I liked, at least when I'm reading it, I like to put myself in the story and remember that, that uh, now, now some people might believe differently, I just, I can only take the word of God at its face value. This is a real thing that happened thousands of years ago, amen? This is a real guy. Hosea was a real guy that really lived, and he wrote this story, and God used his real life to illustrate his relationship to Israel at the time in the Old Testament, but it also gives us a glimpse into God's relationship and his wild, crazy, amazing love that makes no sense and challenges all of our ideas of justice and fairness and love. God, that's how much God loves us in Jesus today. Amen, somebody? So, so we looked at last week, Hosea is this prophet, a man of God, a preacher, if you will. And God tells this preacher, go and marry a prostitute. That really happened, and Hosea really did it. Hosea really went and found this woman, Gomer. They fell in love. He, they, they, they begin to have a baby. We saw he had one baby. Throughout chapter 1, they have three children. Each one of their children, God used their children to be a specific message to Israel, who at the time is running away from God, serving idols, worshiping everything but God, doing everything but what God told them to do. And God is saying, Jose, I want to use your life. I know you didn't really ask for this. You thought when you, thought when you prayed, God, use me, that I was going to tell you to stand in front of the kings in the court and, and, and preach a message and write books and all this. But this is how I've chosen to use you, Hosea. And Hosea obeys. And we talk about Hosea staying available. But then something happens. We don't know any of the story. We just know that from chapter 1 to chapter 3, they, they start this family. Hosea is doing what God told him to do. They have three children, so we know some time has gone by. And something, by the time of chapter 3 rolls around, Gomer has went back to prostitution, has left her family. Hosea is left holding the bag, wondering, where did it all go wrong? I must have been crazy. God must have never really spoken to me. And all of the thoughts that, that went on, and I'm not going to recap the entire message from last week, but that's where we are. And then... God speaks to Hosea again, go and, go and buy her back. And that's what happens in chapter 3. He buys her back. He redeems her. 
he redeems her from, the, from basically the pimp that she had given herself to. And, and, and it's, it's so easy in this story. It's so easy in this story. And, 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 and I'm, I'm not saying it's wrong or right. I'm just saying it's easy to frame Hosea as the hero and Gomer as the villain, Hosea as the, as the protagonist and, and, and Gomer as the antagonist. And in many ways, she is. I mean, it's very easy for us to, to pick on Gomer as a prostitute and go, what, what, <laughs> what is going on that you would begin to raise this family? What hap- what's going on? What kind of a mother is, would leave her three children and go, not just leave her children, but then go back to prostitution. What is, ha- it's very easy, it's very easy to pick on Gomer and make her a target and make her, make her the evil villain, I guess, in this situation. Amen? Or are all of you, are all of you so evolved and full of love that you just, you know, are you, okay, okay. <laughs> Or are you all, you know, well, she's a woman. She can do whatever she wants. She can make her own choices or whatever. And, I, and I, I'm not saying that that's not true, but I'm saying we still would look at that and go, well, that doesn't quite make sense. Something's wrong there. Something's broken. Something, something's not connecting for a woman to leave or for anybody i'm not just saying one but for anybody to leave a situation where you have a roof over your head you have a family to provide for you have a family to raise and you just leave all of that to go to anything and it's easy for us and and see god uses this incredibly extreme example and so and so it's very easy to go yeah obviously what kind of what is wrong with someone that would leave their husband and their three kids to go back to prostitution? I mean, this is not a new thing. You were doing that before, and you go back to that kind of lifestyle, and not only are you back in prostitution, but you are now owned, apparently, by someone else who's now profiting off of your sexuality. So it's not even like, it's not even like this free thing where she's just out. You know, No, she's owned by someone. She is in slavery, sexual bondage to someone else, and Hosea has to come and actually... He pays the price to redeem her as, as, as if he was now going to, he paid whatever price the pimp would have sold her for to someone else. That's the price that Jose pays. We go, well, why, why, what, kind of, what kind of nonsense is that? That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't compute on any level. Yet at the same time, if I'm really honest, when I look in the mirror, I have to ask myself, how many times in my walk with God have I walked out and ran away from the very thing that he delivered me from. It may not be prostitution. It may not be something as extreme as that. But how many times in my walk with God, how many times in my journey does God bring me out of something and I may even start in a good way and I may even live that way for a long time and and something happens where I just go right back to it? Amen? If we're super honest... Though we all, have mo- we, we all have moments where we're Hosea, where we're saying, God, I want to stay available. God, I want to be used by you. But we also all have moments where we are all the prostitute. We are all gomers. We've all had things, I'm sure, that we know God has brought us out of 
And for whatever reason, because of our own frustration, because of our own fear, maybe something happens that causes a trigger to be set in our lives, but we go right back to the thing that we know God delivered us from. And this is, this is where the love of God comes in and what he illustrates through Hosea's life that's so unbelievable. Because this is what happens. They raise this, they begin to raise a family, they have kids. Hosea is left as a single father raising three children after he has already gotten this woman out of the life that she was living, and she goes right back. But in Hosea chapter 3, the Lord speaks to Hosea and says, go get her again. And he says, you're going to do that because that's exactly what I'm doing for the people of God, the people that I've redeemed. And this is, this, is, this, is the, this is the really good news and the really encouraging part of this. He tells Hosea to go, and he loves her just as the Lord loves us. And what it tells me is this. Listen to me. Don't ever miss this. It tells me this. When I run, Jesus pursues. Amen? When I am running from God, when I am running from his plan for my life, when I am running from, from the things and the people that he has brought me out of, when I am running from God, Jesus, in his radical, unwavering, unbelievable love, Jesus is pursuing me. That's supposed to be on the screen, so put that up there so we can see this in black and white. When I run, Jesus pursues. Amen? No matter where you are in your life. Some of you have walked in this room and there are areas in your life where you are running from God. Some of you are watching online right now and you know you're running from God. Some of you are watching online. I'm not trying to pull, call anybody out or condemn anyone. I'm not doing that today. And I'm not condemning your idea. Of what I'm saying you, there are some of you right now that are watching this online that ha, ha, cannot come into a church service because of, because of things in your life where you are running from. And it's easier for you to stay disconnected rather than connect. And I'm not trying to judge you. And I'm, not try, I'm just telling you, know that while you're running, Jesus is pursuing. And that's true for every one of us in here as well. Wherever you are running to, Jesus is pursuing you. And I don't know about you good, faithful Christian people in here, but Justin Bradley, many, many times in his life, has needed the radical love of Jesus to pursue me while I was running away from whatever thing he's called me to do. Amen, somebody? The love of God, Jesus pursues when I am running. Not only does Jesus pursue, but when Hosea finds where his wife is, he then pays the price to redeem her or buy her out of the slavery that she had sold herself in. And again, many of us, most of us, I would say, are probably have not experienced this level of extreme slavery. I mean, this is the worst kind of slavery that we can imagine, right? This is, this is sex trafficking. This is sexual slavery. This is someone's body being owned by someone else and being forced to do things that they probably don't want to do, no matter how they might dress it up or play it up or rationalize it or justify it or whatever else. I don't think there's anyone that would desire to be in a forced sexual slavery situation. Amen? And anyone that would want that 
you need help. I mean, there's just no way around it. You, that's, you, need, you need something, something's messed up on the inside. Something's broken. That's not how we're created to operate. Amen, somebody? So Hosea finds her in this extreme situation. We may not know that kind of extreme situation related to that. However, every time that I run from God, I guarantee you I'm going to find myself in some sort of scenario or some sort of situation that I don't really want to be in. Whether it's in a relationship that I don't want to be in, whether it's a slave to fear and negativity and depression that I don't want to be in, whether it's a, whether it's a slave to, 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 to not doing what I know I'm supposed to do with my life, whatever it is, I'm going to find myself somewhere where I don't want to be. And Hosea shows up and pays the price out of his own pocket, okay? 15 shekels, of, 15 shekels of silver, five bushels of barley, a measure of wine. I have no idea what that is. I don't know if that's a good price or not. I don't know if he was getting a deal or not. I have no idea. That seems probably pretty expensive for the time they were living in. Uh, I'm sure somebody could look up and get that information. And if I was better at my job, maybe I would have that for you right now. But I don't. But that's what he did. He paid the price, whatever it was. Amen? Now... <laughs> Back in the day, you remember, I remember back in the day when I was a kid, anybody collect baseball cards in here? Anybody collect comic books? Okay, you're going to leave me hanging out here by myself, okay. Okay, anybody else got, okay, I used to collect comic books, used to collect baseball cards. <clears throat> and I remember, uh, did anybody have like baseball cards? Did you have those books with the sleeves and you put them on the sleeves, kept them all nice? Yeah? You could go through how many remember buying those? Uh, I'm sure this is all online now. But how many remember going like to the sporting goods store or whatever, the place you bought the baseball cards, the, the shop, and buying those books that, that, you had to, that you could use to flip through the pages, those giant almanacs basically to look up the value of your baseball cards? You know what I'm talking about? You remember, and you remember looking up those old values and like, how much is a Babe Ruth rookie card worth? How much is a Mickey Mantle rookie? And I remember I used to tell my Tell my dad or whatever, my mom, show him, man, look at this. If somebody has this Mickey Mantle baseball card, it's worth, it's worth $8,000. Oh, my God. You know, we all had those, you know, there's, <laughs> if you're, you're like, this is my college education in these binders right here eventually. You know, you, you, you all thought, well, this, this might only be worth 50 cents right now, but it's going to grow. It's it, whatever. But, but we, I remember I used to always hear this from whoever I tell us to use my mom and dad. They'd be like, well, son, it's really only worth whatever someone's willing to pay for it. So it doesn't matter if I look through a book and it says this card is worth $10,000. If, if someone is only willing to pay $6,000, that is its value. Amen? <laughs> doesn't matter. Doesn't matter when you go to trade in your car that you've looked on Kelly Blue Book and seen the resale value of your beautiful ride that you've taken pristine care of. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter at all to the people that you're trying to trade that into that that Kelly Blue Book says it's worth $12,000 on the resale market. That, that car dealership is only going to give you $1,000 max for it. <laughs> because the value is only worth what someone is willing to pay. Amen? So we see that value is assigned by what someone is willing to pay for something else. And this is where the love of God and the, and the story of the love of God shown through Hosea in the Old Testament 
is completely nonsensical and flies in the face of everything that we would try to calculate and compute. Because the only, I mean, this is, she started in the gutter. She got out and then she went back to the gutter just like many of us do in some area of our lives or not, no matter how well we might be able to dress it up and play it off on Sunday morning. Amen? And I'm talking to myself as much as you this morning. Okay? The only way to make any kind of sense of this, and you can't make sense of it, but the only way to compute it at all is the only way that this makes sense is that Hosea sees a value in Gomer's current state that she cannot even see in herself. Amen? And the only way to understand, and that's the way that we can understand God's amazing wrath. Why would God tell Hosea to go after his wife? Why would God say, I know that you have failed and that you have run away and that you have gone away time and time and time and time again, yet I still am pursuing you and I'm still paying a price for you and I'm still, why? It's only because he sees a value in his sons and daughters that you and I often cannot see even for ourselves. Amen? And if we make this New Testament and we look at this, listen, the value that Jesus saw and sees inside of each and every one of us is displayed in the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. The reason Jesus endured nails through his hands and feet and allowed a crown of thorns to be shoved upon his head is because he, in fact, Hebrews chapter 12 and 13 will actually bear witness to this. Hebrews 12 says that Jesus endured the suffering of the cross for the joy that was set before him. Well, if you know the story of the cross and the whip, the 39 lashes and the bearing of that cross and the brutality of the crucifixion, there's there's no joy to be found in any of that except for what Jesus knew he was purchasing when he paid that price. But Jesus pays that price. Romans chapter 5 says Jesus paid the price. Jesus died while we were yet sinners. Hosea pays the price for Gomer while she is, in the, is, is still in the bondage of this, of this prostitution. Yet Hosea goes ahead and pays it before any agreement or any arrangement is made. It is a complete type of what Jesus did for us a few hundred years later, 2,000 years ago for us. And the only reason that it can make any sense <laughs> the only re- and here's the only re- listen, you and I, I know I know the depths of my running from God. And you do too. You, your own. You know that when you look in the mirror, I know that, let me, I'll talk about me so I don't talk about you. I know that when I look in the mirror and I look at my life and when I'm, moments when I'm very vulnerable and very honest before God, I would have to say, God, you are making a terrible, terrible investment in me. Yet, 
he sees a value in me that I often cannot see for myself. And the only way that I can ever have a vision or a perspective of it is to look at the price that Jesus and the depths and the lengths that Jesus was willing to go. Jesus not only pursues me when I'm running, but he paid a price to redeem me when he found me. And the reason that he does that is because of the nature of love. Love, listen now, don't miss this. Love says worthy when life says worthless. When I look at my life and I look at myself and I go, Jesus, if I was you, I would never make this deal. I would never make this investment. I would never pay. I mean, this, I, so many times I just feel like a beater. I just feel like an old, an old whatever that's been left out in the rain and, 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 and my life is. And when you get in moments and seasons of life feeling like that and we all are going to have those seasons and those moments where I say, I am not worth this. However, love will say worthy when life says worthless. Amen? And it's that love that motivates Jesus to do this. Listen, we all in areas of our lives have, have the same vision and perspective that Gomer has. Clearly, Gomer could not see herself as a woman of God, as married to this prophet, as raising these kids, as a mother, as a wife, as a whatever. So because she couldn't see that in herself, she went back to what she could see, which was only her past. <clears throat> and often I'm, I do and have done the same thing. And what I need to do is to change my perspective and begin to understand that, yes, I may look at myself and it may stack up and it may make sense to say, man, you're completely worthless. You have nothing to offer. You have nothing to give. And in terms of my, but Jesus' love and God's love, by the hard, and listen, this is not, this is not, this is not conjecture and this is not made up and this is not myth. The price that Jesus paid with his life so that you and I could be redeemed. With every drop of blood, with every nail through his hands and feet, he was assigning worth. And he was seeing value, whether we could see it or not. Amen? So the next time that you feel, the next time that the enemy begins to put the lie in your head, because it's that lie. That makes me say, well, this is never going to change anyway. I'm not worth this anyway, so I might as well enjoy myself because that's the best I can ever be. That's the best it's ever going to be. It's that lie and that perspective that pushes me away from the very thing that God wants to do in my life. Oftentimes. Amen. So the next time that lie creeps up that says you're worthless, you're nothing, you're no good, you're, you're this, you're that. No one loves you. God can't love you. You've gone too far. You've done this. You've done that. Family, son, daughter, brother, sister, listen. All you, please, remind yourself of the cross. Amen? And go, you know what? I can't see it, but Jesus did. And he was willing to pay. He put it on the line. Amen? If it's only worth what someone's willing to pay, 
I have to look at the price that Jesus paid. Amen, somebody? Love says worthy when life says worthless. I think sometimes we don't give enough attention maybe or we don't talk about, we talk about how much Jesus redeemed us and what he paid for us. And sometimes I think we, we don't, we don't, and we don't, because we don't talk about it because we don't understand it. I'm going to try to very, very clumsily explain this idea that I really can't fathom or fully understand. But it is sometimes, I believe, just as Jesus paid a high price with his, with his crucifixion for us, to redeem us, that's a difficult thing to do. It can just, in, it can in turn, because of our sin, because of our brokenness, because we can't see what Jesus sees, it can be difficult to receive that redemption as well. Amen? John chapter 13, I think, illustrates this beautifully with Jesus and his disciples. At the Last Supper, as Jesus is preparing to go to the cross and to pay that price, many of you know the story in John chapter 13, Jesus at the Last Supper, the Bible says he takes a basin of water and wraps a towel around his waist and begins to to. to to um, operate in the picture of the perfect servant and begins to wash the disciples' feet. Think about that. As Jesus is, what Jesus does as he is preparing to endure the most excruciating and brutal death and pay the price for all of our sins, he dons a towel and washes feet. That's his preparation. And as he's washing the disciples' feet, Peter, it's always Peter. (laughs) It's always Peter. Peter says, no, 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 Lord. You shouldn't be washing my feet. I should be washing yours. I can't have you wash my feet. Jesus says, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, you can't have any part of this. Peter says, then my hands and my, feet and my head as well. Jesus says, I only need to wash your feet. Why is that? Listen, remember, these are poor men. They don't have a lot of money. They're not riding around in carriages, and they don't have nice fancy shoes. They're wearing, they're wearing Air Jesuses, not Air Jordans, okay? They're wearing, they're wearing, they're wearing, <laughs> you like that? <laughs> She's sighing and shaking her head. Okay. Air Nazarenes, all right? Okay. Uh, Nazarene Force Ones. Okay, I could keep going. I could. I'm not going to, but I, I definitely should stop. Um, uh, so so they're, they're wearing sandals uh, with, you know, open toes. They're not wearing socks often, and they're dirty fishermen, so they've got, they're walking everywhere along the same roads that horses are crapping on and that, and that is just covered with filth and everything else. They're, they got fish guts all over their feet probably from, from fishing and, and, and all the other stuff. What I'm saying is for these men and for the, the foot would for sure uh, be the most disgusting part of the body. Let's face it, <laughs> even with all of our fancy shoes and socks, the foot is still pretty freaking gross. You know what I mean? Like that's still... Ugh. So what Jesus is saying is, I want you to give me the most disgusting part. I want you to bring to me the most filthy part. He says to Peter, Peter, if you let me get through all of the stuff, 
and get to the dirtiest thing, the shameful thing, the thing that you want to cover up, the thing that you, the thing that you don't want to talk about, you know, the thing that you, uh, the, the thing that you don't want to bring up at parties. The, if you let me get to that part, if you let me get to that prayer request that you don't make public in front of in front of anybody, hello, amen, somebody. <laughs> If you let me get to that thing that you don't talk about in your testimony. If you let me deal with that part of you that you're ashamed of and you are sure that you'll be kicked out of every group and every friend group and everything. If anybody knew about, he says, Jesus says, I want you to bring that part to me. I want you to let me bring that. And that's why he says, if you let me get to, if you let me, because to get to that stuff, I've got to go through all the other stuff. That's why he says, just let me get to your feet, man. If you let me get to your feet, everything else is going to be clean too. You know what I mean? Okay? And so, and so, and so in that moment, but in that moment, that takes this, that takes this moment in, in where, where I've got to trust Jesus with maybe the parts that I have never trusted to anybody. The parts of my story and the things that I've done that I've never shared with people. Things I've only, only whispered about. Things I've never even vocalized, I've only thought about. But Jesus, to, to, to experience this redemption says, no, I, you've got to bring, you've got to bring the filthiest thing. And he, he, he welcomes it. He says, let me, let me get to the, to the, to the dirtiest part that's the thing that's been through all of the mud and all of the junk and all he says let me let me get to that and 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 here's here's the thing again it's not it's not fair it doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense for Jesus to give me his best and all that I'm bringing to him in return is my worst but that is the gospel that is the good news and it doesn't make any sense and it is unfair to him and it's we are all the complete beneficiary of it but here's the thing the gospel jesus makes a way for me to exchange my worst for his best that is the gospel the gospel is me saying jesus i have nothing to bring to this relationship but filthy disgusting feet Jesus says, let me wash them. Let me give you something else. That's why the gospel is sometimes called the great exchange. Jesus makes a way. And here's, why they, here's where we struggle with that. Here's where I struggle with that. Because sometimes I, if, it, it can take a lot of years and a lot of work. And, this, and you you can be, I believe, I, I believe you can be saved on your way to heaven, know Jesus, love God, and still struggle with this part of what I'm about to tell you, of this exchange, okay? This doesn't mean you're not a Christian. This doesn't mean that you're not on your way to heaven. But, but, but here, here's where sometimes we struggle. Sometimes I think that, and where I draw lines and build boundaries and say, Jesus, I will let you, we can talk about this and this and this, but we can't talk about this yet. 
is because somewhere in my broken thinking and in my sinful mind, I, st- I somewhere still think that, that my worst is going to be too much. Somewhere along the way, we had this thought, I can't let you wash my feet because you ain't never seen no feet like these. Okay? You, I know you wash some other people's feet that they, they go and get pedicures and stuff, and then you, no, no, my feet have never touched, you can't wash these. You ain't never seen no feet like these. And here's what Jesus is saying to us through this story and through Hosea is, listen, he doesn't care how funky or how nasty or how disgusting or how dirty or how bruised or how broken or how bloodied or how shattered or how diseased or how sickly or how weak or how anemic or how whatever your feet are or your thing is, your worst is never going to be too much for his best. Whatever it costs to redeem your thing, he paid for that on the cross 2,000 years ago, and there is nothing that I can do that is ever going to be bigger or taller or worser or whatever else than the price that Jesus has already paid. He makes a way for me to exchange my worst for his best, and my worst is never going to be too big for his best. Amen? That's what we see here. That's why, that's, why, that's why God leads Hosea and, and gives us this such an extreme illustration. This is a real thing. Hosea marries a prostitute. I told you last week, this is a one-time thing in Scripture. If you came to me, to, I'm trying to you guys are both already married, so for sure. <laughs> Chris, I see you back there. You're single. You come to me and say, preacher, I really feel like the Lord told me to marry a prostitute. I'm going to say, Chris, you better pray again. God did not tell you that. I'm telling you that right now. This is an extreme situation. Okay? Amen, somebody? And then if you go ahead and do it and she leaves you after a few years and goes back to prostitution and you tell me I'm going to go find her and I'm going to go pay whatever I've got to pay and do whatever I've got to do, I'm probably going to tell you, dude, you've lost your dang mind. And so God uses this extreme situation. And thank God Hosea allows his life to be used to illustrate to you and to me thousands of years later and let you and I know that if Hosea can do this and if God can work this out in Hosea's life thousands of years ago, friend, there is not a worse that I can bring to the table that his blood will not purchase and redeem and cover over in my life. Amen. Amen. I don't have to be afraid that my worst is ever going to be too much. Now, here's, here's where the rubber meets the road, okay? All this has been done. Hosea pays whatever the price has been arranged at. And then, watch this now, he pays the price first. And then he goes to Gomer and says, now you must come live with me first. And, listen, let's not forget this. If we don't, if we don't have this last part here, then, then 
then this message becomes, I just do whatever I want, and God just loves, and he does love you no matter what, but, but there's, there's some things in my, there, understand, the goal, God doesn't want to leave you and me a prostitute. Amen. The idea of this is not I can be a prostitute and get away and do whatever I want and just keep doing that and God's going to love me and, and forgive me. And No, the idea is what Hosea said, you're going to come live with me and you're going to stop being a prostitute. And we're going to be faithful to one another. That's the goal. Amen? That's where we want to go. And that's what God wants us to do. But here's here's where Jesus is different from many other religions, and this is where a true relationship with Jesus is different from religion. Religion, religion, and it may be, a, it could, it's Christian religion, it's church religion. Religion says, stop being a prostitute, and then you can come live with me. Jesus, through Hosea, says, says the way he does it, he says, no, you can, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay the price for you first, and it's been paid. But for you to experience, see, here's the thing. He's paid the price, but she's still got to get up and leave. And many times where I don't experience the redemption that Jesus has paid for me, and while we, 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 we like to think about this, and we like to, but, but in our daily lives, in our daily struggles, often we miss this is because for me, even though Jesus has paid the price through his precious blood on Calvary 2,000 years ago, for me to accept that redemption, I've got to get up and leave the place where I'm living. She could have chosen to say, I don't care. I'm going to stay right where I am. For whatever reason, I like this. But there has to be a moment where, where I get up and leave that place of sin, leave that place of prostitution, leave that place of running where I'm living for me to accept and receive and experience the price that's been paid for me. Amen, somebody? Now, religion, and many times we think, well, you got to stop doing it, but what Jesus says, he says, you can come live with me and then stop. Jesus doesn't say, you got to clean this up. You got to get to this place. You got to complete this course. And then, you know, we're going to go to the doctor. We're going to check you out. We're going to make sure you're going to go through a six month period, like one year period. We're going to make sure that you're not out there uh, whoring anymore, for lack of a better term. And then, then we'll figure this out. No, no, no. He just says, you come and live with me right now. You come and live with me, and then you stop. And that's what Jesus says wherever you are, wherever you've run to, Whatever, whatever you're running from this has brought into your life, whatever that is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and pay the price. He's already done it. He says, but then right in that place, he says, why don't you come and live with me? And it's in, it's in, it's in me, it's in me coming to live with him, following him, being in relationship with him that that love begins to transform me. And I begin, it's in that working that out. It's in the going and living that who I am changes. Amen, somebody? I think, it's, I think it would be fair. I, I mean, again, this is just my own imagination working. This isn't in the Bible. I'm just going to say, but I think it would be fair. I think it would be fair that whatever's going on 
in Gomer's life. You may call it an addiction. You may call it a proclivity, whatever. There's something that's drawing her to this life, right? Let's, I mean, she was out of it. Went back to it. Okay? And again, again, it's easy to throw stones. We all have our things. We all have, you are tempted in ways that I'm not tempted in. You understand? You're, there's things that tempt me that don't tempt you. We all have different ways that this sin nature has to be dealt with in, in a relationship with Christ. Amen? But there's something, whatever it is, there's something drawing her to this. So I think it would be fair to say, since she's, we've already seen her do it once, that there may be some moments as she goes home and lives with Hosea where she is tempted again. Where that old, whatever that is, rises up and has an opportunity and says, hey, why don't you just forget about this? And what I'm trying to say is the price has been paid and I experienced redemption, but that thing is often progressive and plays out and, and that thing transforms. See, I know we think we so often and, and we think this in our own life. Hey, I prayed a prayer. Why do, why, why do I still struggle? Why am I struggling Monday when I prayed about it Sunday? Why, why, am, I, why am I tempted again uh, on Tuesday when I've, when I've already asked God about that on Sunday and I believe God? Well, it's because it's progressive. It takes time to work out that stuff and that's why Jesus says come on and live with me right now come home live with me now and as we live with one another in relationship we're gonna all that we're gonna work that thing out amen and so what I would say is if you're like well man I've been why am I still tempted with this why am I still struggling with this why am I still feeling this way why am I still not seeing listen I would say just continue to live Jesus is still, just stay in the house. Stay in relationship with Jesus. Stay in the word. Stay in prayer. Stay plugged into the family of God. Stay plugged into those things. Stay plugged into the love of God. Because it's that nonsensical, radical, overwhelming love that over time begins to transform me from that prostitute to that prophet. You miss somebody? in the living it's in the living with Jesus that his love begins to heal and transform whatever it was whatever it is that pushes me to run we stand all over his place this morning would you do me another favor just close your eyes for a second bow your heads and just I just want to give a moment for the Holy Spirit to talk to you. Just let this word become personal. Let Jesus talk to you about you and him. I, I don't know, and this may not be for every single person. I, listen, I know there are many of you in this room, and I, and I would include myself in them, that if, at this moment, as far as I know, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I'm, I'm not running from God. I know many of you are either. But I do feel like there may be somebody in this room this morning that this message is really for. Like right now, you're in a moment right now. You might be watching, you're in a moment right now. You are running 
you are running from God. You are running. Maybe you used to serve God. Maybe you used to be in church. Maybe you used to know Jesus and you're running. And I really feel like the Lord wants you to know that he is chasing you down today. And my encouragement is, man, wherever you think you, you may have think you, listen, this whole message of, of the prostitute side of this is lets us know that no matter how long, no matter how far, no matter for how many years I run, I am never out of reach of the love of God. And I just feel like somebody needs to know today, even while you're running, and this may not, this, I'm going to invite you, and we're going to pray, I'm going to invite you to make today a moment where you decide I'm going to stop running. I'm going to, I'm going to get up and I'm going to live for Jesus today. We're going to pray for that in a minute, but I want you to know that that may not be that may not be where you are. This may need to sit with you. There's somebody at home. This may need to sit with you for a little bit. And I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that even if you continue to run after this moment, Jesus is still going to be pursuing you. He's still coming after you because of his radical love. every head bowed, every eye closed in this place right now. I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand. If you're in this place this morning, if you're online, you can do this. You can participate online in the comment section. If you're in this place this morning and you know you're running, and today something is saying, it's, 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 it's time to stop. It's time to stop running. It's time to get up and leave where you've run to. Start over, start a new life with Jesus. Today you can do that. Today you can do that. Today you can begin that work, begin that process. And we're here to help you with that in any way, shape, or form that we can. That's where you say, man, preacher, I'm, I'm going to stop. I am, I am going to let, I am, I'm, Jesus, here's my feet. Here's, here's that part. Here's that thing. Whatever needs to happen, I'm done running. I'm done hiding. Here I am, Lord. We just raise your hand right now. I'm not going to count anything. Just raise your hand. everyone in this room, everyone online, would you pray this? Would you just pray this prayer with me in agreement with those that are making this decision this morning? This is where they're at. Just say this simple prayer. We say, Jesus, here I am. I'm not running anymore. Tell them right now, I'm not running anymore. to live with you in Jesus name Amen Holy Spirit make that real make that make that powerful make that whatever that is in our lives Lord God whatever our certain whatever, whatever our specific situation and circumstances look like Holy Spirit I pray you begin to work that out in our lives in Jesus name Lord I pray right now that in moments and in seasons where we are running in moments and things in our lives that make them up that cause us to run. Lord, I pray that every time the enemy's 
lies, every time our own lies surface in our head, anything that would make us think that we are out of reach, out of touch, and too far for you to find us, Lord, I pray that you would help us to remember this moment, this word, this message of Hosea and Gomer, God, and let us know that you are pursuing us. And I pray for right now, someone's watching online, someone in this room even right now is running, is running, is running. Lord, I pray right now, Jesus, that you will show yourself to them. Let them know that they have not outrun you and that you are still chasing them down, pursuing them, and to show yourself to them in Jesus' name. And whatever it takes for us to stop running, I pray, God, that you would do that in our lives so that we can live in the place that you have called us and redeemed us to live. In Jesus' name, I pray. Everyone in this room, agree with me and say amen. Amen and amen. We're going to close this moment down. These altars are going to be open. If you need to find someone to pray with you, there are people here to pray with you this morning. If you rose, raised your hand and said, man, I'm coming. I'm not running anymore. I'm going to turn. Come and find prayer. Let us greet you in prayer and, and uh, let, let God just have a moment to move in your life. If you have any prayer requests at all, anything that you need to deal with, to, to, to do some business with God about, man, these altars are open. Amen, somebody? Amen, somebody? Amen. This worship team is going to lead us in worship as we get out of here. Stretch your hands this way and receive this blessing from the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you. The Lord establish you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.